This is Create Now, the show that explores creative and generative approaches to changing the systems that rule our world. We are sector agnostic, and our guests come from a myriad of different disciplines and practices, but they all share one thing in common. They are people who are creatively rethinking and remaking sectors once thought unchangeable. On this episode, I speak with John Fullerton, who was managing director of J.P. Morgan, where he worked for over 18 years, managing various capital markets and derivative businesses around the globe. After the merger with Chase Manhattan and witnessing 9-11 firsthand, John retired from the bank in 2001. In 2010, John founded the Capital Institute, an organization working to explore and affect the economic transition to a more just, regenerative, and thus sustainable way of living on this earth through the transformation of finance. I'm Robert Rancic, and this is Create Now. So, John, it's really great to see you here at the Regenerative Futures Conference. Um, I've been, as you know, following your work for a number of years, having first met you in Hunter Levin's class at Bard College, and uh, it's been great to see the evolution of the Capital Institute. But before we get into the particulars of what you're, what you're doing now, I think the story of how you began is really compelling, and I was hoping you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Well, it's good to be with you. I, uh, I'm glad I didn't scare you away in the class. Um, so I, uh, I spent nearly 20 years at what I like to call the old J.P. Morgan, uh, right out of college, and, um, and uh, sort of worked the, the, the growth of the capital markets. I was early in the derivatives business and, and saw the, the creation of that whole world, and, and it was a very exciting time and, and a great time to be young in the business. Um, and as, the, as that business began to mature, I, grant, I grew a bit more disillusioned with it. And, and really, there was, a, there was a trip I took on an airplane to Singapore where um, it was Father's Day, and I was, I was on you know, first class, fancy young derivatives manager. But I was kind of miserable because I wasn't at home with my two young kids. And, um, uh, and there was this article in the front page of the newspaper about how Walter Annenberg had decided to give away all of his money. He was sort of the precursor to the, the, the giving pledge now. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was a, a very positive article about this decision, but um, uh, the, you know, he gave his money to a number of schools, and the third one was a, a, um, a nursery school where he gave $50 million to this nursery school, and, and the woman running nursery school pretty much said in a very polite way she had no idea what she was going to do with the money. And it occurred to me that um, uh, that I was on a path to be, you know, a successful modern American businessman turned philanthropist when I grew old, and I'd give away my money, and it just it, it was very unappealing, and so I um, I began to question the whole success paradigm, and uh, that probably is the beginning of a journey that that uh, I've been on ever since to to rethink um, our purpose and. So one of the things that I found so compelling when you shared um, this, you know, back in Hunter's class was that you then, you kind of hit a pause button and instead of, you know, going off and doing fun things or traveling or whatever, you did a deep dive mm -hmm. and you started reading a lot of books. And I wonder if you can talk about like where you started with that, like what was, what was the first book and mm -hmm. like, you know, how did you move through gaining more knowledge about things that you felt were mm -hmm. more aligned with who you wanted to be? 
Well, it, it, so it, it took several years after that airplane ride to muster up the courage to actually walk away. And um, uh, I did that in 2001 uh, with no real idea on what I wanted to do. And, and the bank had merged with Chase, and that kind of made it easier to, to leave because the culture had changed a lot. And, um, and honestly, the first day I began to get serious about thinking what I was going to do next uh, was um, a day in September 2001. Uh, I had a meeting downtown, and, and the meeting was scheduled at 9.30. And so I was, I was in the subway, and uh, this guy walked in and said they just flew a plane into the Trade Center. So I kind of walked into this whole experience very close up, and, and that just jolted, obviously, all of our systems. But um, as someone who, in a sense, didn't have a job, didn't have any reason to be anywhere, it, it kind of uh, allowed me to really think deeply about what the hell was going on. And, um, and that really pushed me into this very introspective period. And I, I don't remember what the first books or books were, but they were very much philosophical, um, psychological, um, purpose, meaning kind of, kind of things. Um, and it just it sort of fed on it itself. And I had, I had some flexibility to not need to go get a job right away. Um, and as you said, it was like a pause button, and, and I, I used to call it my decompression period. And the longer I spent in it, the more I began to question a lot of the things that I had never questioned before. So obviously the introspection time led to then looking outward, and right. looking outward and then recognizing that you had certain skill sets from the, through the 20 years of experience. So you decided to create something, a nonprofit called the Capital Institute, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about sure. that. Well, along, along this sort of you know, introspection learning period, I discovered um, the environmental crisis, I discovered um, the, the whole idea or the field of system science and the idea that the economy was a system and that it was embedded in the, in the biosphere, and I read Limits to Growth, and I read E.S. Schumacher, and I, I pretty much came to the understanding that uh, as great as our economic system was for the advancement of many, many people, it was also generating some uh, intractable problems that were getting worse and that they were actually baked into the system design, exponential growth on a finite planet and a finance-driven capitalist system that is designed to optimize financial return to financial capital. So we're building up more and more financial capital in an increasingly concentrated number of hands while a number of social and or ecological issues were compounding and getting worse. And, and, um, and so I started to think about this question and that there wasn't really anyone seriously thinking about this in a profound systemic way, at least, at least I hadn't discovered it yet. And um, so I started talking about launching a little think tank to wrestle with this. And my friends thought I was crazy. And, um, and then the financial collapse happened. And then also my friends didn't think I was crazy anymore, even though the financial collapse wasn't really directly linked to the issues I was most um, concerned about. They were much more explainable in the traditional context of all the flaws with our financial models and risk models and whatnot, sort of a fire drill we'd already run through with long-term capital 10 years earlier. Um, and so I launched Capital Institute in 2010 uh, with the idea of setting up a space to explore uh, the transformation of finance to, um, uh, to lead to a system design that was actually sustainable. And I didn't, I didn't have this idea of regenerative at that point, but it was more a, you know, I think Goethe had some special, like, you know, the, 
boldness is in beginning or something like that. So <laughs> yes. we just began without any real idea. And I put some of my own money in it and, and started to track some people. And, and um, so that's, that's really how it all got started. So you eventually did write um, a paper called Regenerative Capitalism, which is easily located on your site. And I wonder if you can talk about you know, the ideas that ended up in that paper and also how that paper continues to evolve mm. and change based on the other, the new things that you're learning and the new people sure. that you're encountering. Yeah, so the, the paper is actually called Regenerative Capitalism, How Universal Patterns and Principles Will Shape the Next Economy. And so the key idea in, uh, in the paper is that um, our, our modern scientific understanding of how uh, the systems of the planet work and literally to the universe, although mm -hmm. I'm not qualified to talk about the <laughs> cosmology. Um, but there are these universal patterns. There's, you know, we now understand that everything is energy. And so there are, there are energy flow laws that apply to everything from the table we're sitting at to uh, the biosphere, to our bodies, to consciousness. And, um, and I had learned about this idea of regenerative agriculture through one of my investment projects with the Savory Institute. And I began to think about these, in a sense, living systems and the patterns that make them the same. And uh, the, the basic hypothesis of regenerative capitalism is that uh, rather than trying to argue about ideology, which is essentially what economics is about, uh, why don't we look to patterns and principles of systems that have stood the test of time, meaning that are sustainable, um, that, that exist in nature, and discern what the principles and patterns are that, that describe those and then apply those same patterns and principles to the human economy and see what that tells us. And it turns out that it tells us that the human economy is profoundly in conflict with these time-tested patterns and principles. And, um, and so I set about trying to describe those principles and then applying them to a human economy. And that's essentially what the paper's about. So the other great thing I think about the Capital Institute is it's not just a think tank in the traditional sense. You're actually out in the world. Mm. You are looking closely at projects and endeavors that are happening that you see in alignment with the ideas of regenerative capitalism. And so the field reports and the field guide, I think, are really um, provocative and profound because they begin to ground right. and root the ideas in reality. And I know that you've just started a, a new project with Tottenville and yeah. southern tip of yeah. Staten Island. Yeah. And I wonder, so like, how does it all meet? So how, how does it meet there? So, so the idea uh, actually came to me um, in a very synchronistic, synchronistic way with my colleague Susan Artarian Chang, who's a writer, a journalist, um, who had actually written about one of my heroes, Herman Daly. And um, so we connected through that uh, common connection. She was also writing about impact investing um, when I met her. Um, but she brought the idea of storytelling to the Kaplan Institute. And I hadn't even thought about the importance of storytelling uh, before then. And of course, now storytelling is a big thing. And everyone's talking about, we need a new story. And Which is good. <laughs> so, although it resonated strongly because um, uh, Thomas Berry who's another one of my intellectual heroes, wrote a lot about the importance of story and how we're, mm. the old story no longer works and we're in search for a new story. So Susan set about to find projects that, um, so, so the, let me back up. So typically, if you have a theory, then you'd want to go and build something and show that it works. Mm -hmm. The trouble is building a regenerative economy takes a long time. The cool thing is that um, I believe that this shift from 
neoliberalism and, and reductionist approach to um, economic thinking is shifting already. And the pressures that we're all well aware of are causing that shift. So there's an emergence happening where, particularly in places that are under a lot of stress, where pressure, again, the, 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 the rules of energy, when, when systems shift, it's because sh- pressure increases. So what we've found, and Susan has beautifully documented using not just writing, but visuals and poetry, and uh, we've even done a couple of short films, um, these regenerative stories are already happening in response to the pressure. So we have the opportunity to develop the theory and ground it in rigorous science and even develop measures to measure regenerative health in a, in a place, but also then tell stories about real projects that are happening, and yet we tell them through the lens of regenerative, the regenerative paradigm. And so even the people, even the heroes of the story, who are doing it out of an intuition, learn things about their project that they didn't know before. So in, in that process, does it begin to help them shift and then start to make decisions through that kind yeah, of lens? I don't know if I'd want to take credit, credit for that. Yeah. I, th- I think more, the most powerful thing is they feel like they're part of a movement that's bigger than their project. Right. They now are part of a big change. And that's, uh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur doing something out of the ordinary, it's hard. Yeah. And, um, and it takes courage and there's got to be self-doubt and, and there are going to be days. And so if you feel all on your own and you're, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a um, you know, a, a um, inner city uh, food desert solution or whatever it is, um, knowing that you're part of this emergent framework, I think is a very encouraging and comforting sign. And what we're hoping to do is now weave these together so that there's a mosaic that you can see as a thing, as opposed to a bunch of one-off projects that are disconnected from each other. That's great. Um, there's been a lot of talk. I've been in the the, the movement building of a movement, like yeah. a, a overarching a movement, movement, a kind yeah. of a kind of meta entity, yeah. much like what you're describing. Before um, we wrap up, I did also want to just see what you had to say about the Green Bank because I know you, yeah. it was like a, a lot of work and and documenting of that the project yeah so that was our our first short film we did a year-long study of a bank in florida called first green bank and um, it's privately owned and um, uh, the founder was a had previously built and sold a community bank which is typically how community banks go they're built and then sold and he read uh yvonne chenard's book uh the the founder of patagonia Patagonia, and he got inspired uh and he set about to try to create the Patagonia of community banking. And, um, uh, but he did it with his existing investors who have all of the, and they're good people, they're, but, but they have all of the expectations of sure. a traditional investor. So the story is really about the tension between the you know, needs, desires, objectives, goals, ideology, worldview of the investors uh, that may be not in full alignment with the mission and vision of a truly what we would call regenerative bank, and particularly around the time frame uh, that it takes and, and uh, exit, you know, investors that are looking for liquidity and whatnot. So it's not a puff piece story. It's, it's a very real kind of this is hard work and here are the issues that we all need to wrestle with. It happened to be about banking, but they apply to anything in business, although banking and, and banking, place-based banking, banking that lends into real economy in real places is very much a, um, 
you know, a sweet spot of, of a place to intervene. So it's a, it's a, it's a rich story, and, and, and you can, again, find it on our website. It, it is great, and I have watched some of the footage and films and read a lot about it, and right. I think it's, it's truly inspiring and hopefully can find others to begin to mimic it. And yeah. then as you begin to build these networks, there's, there's knowledge sharing. That exactly. Happened. And we're actually encouraging people to use the film to launch a, a discussion in their community about, you know, regenerative finance, about regenerative economy, about how hard this is, but it's, um, it's a good launching piece for a rich conversation. Uh, it's great. I mean, one of the things, and I was saying this to you earlier, that uh, interests me, and as someone who spent 10 years at the New School in the adult division, which mm. is, was at that time really focused on adults teaching adults, mm. um, and the you know, ideas of you never stop learning, right. learn over a lifetime. And I think you do that. I think you embody that. And I'm just curious now, what are you learning? What do you, what, what do you want to learn next that you don't feel like you know? Well, gosh, I, the, I, hmm, where, do, where do I start? I think, um, I guess two, two thoughts come up on that. One is the um, enormous challenge to think about how to actually make this regenerative paradigm happen in the real world. Um, I feel like we've gotten pretty clear on what, needs, what it needs to be, um, but much less clear on how to m make that happen, and particularly given that time is important. This is not like an unended thing. Um, so the implementation of this and, and using kind of a more networked approach and storytelling, um, but the, you know, the theory of change, the catalyst, um, the entrenched worldview that we're trying to shift, that, you know, how to do that is, is a huge challenge. And then in terms of the, um, the thinking itself and the, and the framework itself, you know, we're, we're kind of working our way up from physics to biology to ecology to human psychology and anthropology and sociology. And, um, and once you get into the human, um, how humans interact with each other, which of course is at the heart of what a human economy is, um, you know, and then you move from there up into the whole consciousness thing. Because I, I like many people, think that we're in the midst of this shift in consciousness, which is actually going to give birth to this new economy that, that we're in, in search of. And so our work needs to move up into that consciousness uh, domain in order to understand how to move the old consciousness into a higher level of consciousness, which will unlo unlock the possibilities of shifting into a, a regenerative economy. Um, so that's the it's rest of your lifetime. For sure, and hopefully others will join and continue to join. And, and they are. I mean, it's definitely a... I mean, this whole conference that we're at yeah. is like I mean, really driven by a lot of the, these yeah. ideas and, yeah. and affinity groups coming exactly. together. Okay. So anyway, it's still I, a pebble in a pond. I'm super excited about this work, and I'm really grateful Great. that you took the well, time to, to talk to us. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, I wish you all the luck. And again, you can find all of the things we talked about on John's website, the Capital Institute. And uh, thank you again for being on Create Now. You're welcome. Create Now is hosted on the Bennington College campus at the Center for the Advancement of Public Action. The Create Now team is Rowan Edwards, Dylan O'Hara, Anna Saldinger, Chloe Shelford, and Robert Rancic. Today's show was audio engineered by Rowan Edwards and produced by Anna Saldinger. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe.